This is Fresh Matters, and I am Papa Kwesi Endong. Why don't people of African descent everywhere in the world, why? Why don't people of African descent support our own? And I'm referring to people of African descent on the African continent, in the Caribbean, the United Kingdom, Europe, Asia, the Americas, everywhere. Why is it? Is there a link to poverty? Well, we cannot ignore the effects of slavery, colonialism, and so on and so forth. But still, we must explore we need to explore this, this matter and the negative effects that it is having on development wherever you will find people of African descent. You go to many communities in the United Kingdom and take a look at where the majority of the people who live in certain places are people of African descent, whether they are from Africa, the Caribbean, and so on and so forth. Look at the living conditions there and then look at the businesses that serve the people. Take a look at those businesses that have been started by people of African descent. Compare that with the businesses in those places that have been put there by people from other parts of the world. Well, let's Let's talk about the United States of America and specifically, well, we can talk about New York, about Harlem and what's happening there. We can talk about Atlanta. We can talk about places in Texas, in California, where you find a lot of people of African descent. And then let's talk about Chicago. Chicago used to be a place where you found businesses that thrived. So you had Johnson Publishing, you had Johnson Products, 
You had the people that 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 produce Afroshin and so on and so forth. You had people who were big car dealers. You had banks. You had banks, including Seaway. There were big banks in Chicago. Big black businesses that were there. Where are they now? What happened to them? What happened to them? Did they stop serving the communities? Did the communities stop patronizing them? Did people of African descent, African Americans, did they move away from where those businesses were located? But then you take a look and you say, well, but there are businesses that are thriving where people from China are, people from South America are, uh, people from the East, and I mean India East. They are thriving. So what happened to us? About 20 years or so ago, there were over 40, 40 banks in the US of A owned by African-Americans, more than 40. Today, 2021, the number is less than 20. And even the less than 20 that I'm talking about, some of them are not majority African-American owned. Some of them are African-American controlled. That is, most of the senior management and the board of directors are African-Americans for some of them, some of those banks. And about a quarter of those banks remaining have difficulties, significant difficulties. What happened? What happened to them? Whereas on the other hand, you go to Chinatown, you would find Chinese-owned banks, that is, people of Chinese origin, or, or they came from China. Their banks are thriving. And you know what? Those people, they seek those banks out. They go to them. They, 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 they deposit their monies there. They get loans from them. And most importantly, when they get loans from them, they pay it back. They pay those loans back. So the banks continue to thrive. I have seen a number of banks who are controlled by people of Indian origin. And you go around the United States and you find certain establishments such as motels and hotels, check out who 
the owners are. Check out what bank financed those establishments and you will see the linkage. But on the other hand, you find African-American Bank A sitting within an African-American community and you would find another bank, call it J.P. Morgan Chase or Bank of America or any other majority-owned bank sitting in the, the, the same community and you would find that the majority of the deposits are going to those other banks and not to the one owned by African-Americans. And interestingly enough, when people of African descent go to banks that are owned by African-Americans, they take everything for granted. I mean, quite often the people just you know, treat the banks as if they can do just about anything, anything that they want, whether it's according to the rules or not. Uh, what they would ask, not what they would not ask for from a J.P. Morgan Chase, they would go and ask for from an African-American-owned bank. And if the discipline is not maintained, well, loans go bad, um, the situation goes bad, and before you know it, the bank goes away. And then we sit around wondering, well, what happened to the bank? And yet we go with discipline to those other banks, and those other banks thrive. There's no secret to this. None. So it has happened to the banks. It, it, it is happening in other parts, other parts of life in the United States of America. So you go to the communities, you go to where you would find most of the people being of African descent, well, the poverty there, the poverty there um, is, is amazing. And the low level of education is amazing. And in, in you, you, you wonder, well, how can it happen like this? Why do we do those kinds of things to ourselves? So again, check out the grocery stores in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in Chicago, Illinois, in Detroit, Michigan, in New York, in, in, in Dallas, Texas, in, in Los Angeles, and you would find those owners, the owners of the stores, the owners of the, the grocery stores, the owners of um, some of the fast food restaurants, and so on and so forth. 
Check them out. Why? Why is it? And I, I don't mean anything else by it, but why is it that you would find Korean owners, Chinese owners, Indian owners, Spanish-speaking owners, and so on and so forth, but not African-American owners? And where you'd find African-American owners, you'd find that the establishments are not thriving. We have hundreds of thousands of people who have come directly from the continent of Africa to the United States of America, just as they've gone um, to, the, to the UK or to Germany or to France or anywhere else in the world. Well, when they go, they are taking the same attitudes that, oh, if it belongs to one of my own, well, the quality can't be good. Well, the product can't be good. The service can't be good. The price might be too high. So let me go somewhere else. And by so doing, they help somebody else improve the quality of their service, the quality of their product, um, and the financial stability of their establishment. And so we do it on the continent itself. You go and find out. Somebody sees some other person. And that person may be a professional. Let's say a consulting engineer um, or an IT consultant looking for a job. Well, <laughs> put that person there and bring um, a white American, bring an Indian from India, bring, uh, you know, a white German. And yes, they are black Germans. Bring a Frenchman or woman bring a white British and take a look at the fees that are paid to our own people, our own professionals. Compare those fees to the fees paid to those other people. And you'd find that because you happen to be a Nigerian, a Ghanaian, an Ivorian or a Liberian and so on and so forth, it is said that you, you do not deserve a quote-unquote expatriate treatment. So those other people, they get better fees, sometimes three, four, five, ten times what is paid to the people from the continent itself. So how do the, the people, our own people, how do they keep up their professional competence? How do they pay? How can they pay? to engage in continuous education? How can they go elsewhere to upgrade their knowledge and experience? How do they become big and so be able to, to, to carry on bigger jobs? How do they become more significant? 
if we don't treat them as people worthy of good fees, bigger fees, equal fees, equal to those other people who come from elsewhere. And I don't know if, if you have um, experienced this phenomenon as well. Well, you go somewhere and somebody sees a man or a woman who is from the continent, from Senegal, from Ivory, Ivory Coast, from Sierra Leone, from Liberia, from Kenya, and that person is in business and is doing well. Or at least visibly, he's, he's, he's you know, doing well. And somebody else is sitting somewhere, just looking and wondering, how can he or she do well when I, I, I am not doing so well? We went to the same school. Maybe that person was my junior. Or when we were in school, I did this and he or she didn't do that. So how can he do well? How can he be looking wealthy and I'm looking poor? Now, instead of trying to find out how that person got there, so maybe they can learn something and maybe they can appreciate the road the person traveled and, and how they suffered to get there, well, then it becomes a matter as we know it in Ghana, as we know it in Nigeria, as we know it in Kenya and so on and so forth. The PhD that we have, the pull him down or pull her down syndrome, well, they begin to dig around, dig around until the person falls into a hole and becomes equal to them. So quite often, the social games that we play, the political games that we play, the business games that we play, we don't play them to advance somebody. We don't play them to lift everybody up, but we play them to lower everybody to a certain low level so that we're all the same. So as some people say, country broko, you know broko, we day inside, we're all there and we're equal and we're all suffering. Why do we do that to ourselves? Why? And so you would find that instead of letting the private, the private African-American or African indigenous in Africa from Kenya or somewhere else do well in their private establishment, what do we do instead? We would rather have somebody, somebody else. Again, a Chinese, a British, a German, somebody else to succeed. That's what we do. We'd rather do that 
And in the process, what happens? In the process, what we are then doing is that if it cannot be the foreigner, then it's got to be the state, the government. So you check it out. Go throughout the African continent and you would find that many big establishments, if they're banks, financial institutions, some production entities, manufacturing, a number of them are either state-owned or foreign-owned. And I, I, I studied the phenomenon of, of, of EcoBank, Echo for example. It is interesting that EcoBank has thrived in Africa. Yes, there are people who have used their enterprise, have been smart, their professional competence to help EcoBank to develop, grow, and thrive. But how did EcoBank come about? EcoBank is one of the very, very few, one of the very, very few financial institutions that is not from South Africa, that is not from South Africa, that did not originate from South Africa, that has gone across geographic boundaries. But EcoBank is a product of ECOWAS, the, 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 the West African states. They sponsored ECOWAS, they promoted EcoBank. And EcoBank has also relied quite a bit on the political and government forces and now is using professional competence and is thriving. Now, aside from EcoBank, the, the other ones that have gone across geographic boundaries to their credit are some Nigerian-owned banks have aggressively gone across, across geographic boundaries from Nigeria to Ghana to Togo to Liberia and so on and so forth. And some have gone on to the United Kingdom. But what about the rest? Where are the indigenous Kenyan-owned banks? Or the indigenous Ghanaian-owned banks? Or the indigenous Liberian-owned banks? Where are the indigenous Cote d'Ivoire, Ivorian-owned banks? Where have they gone? Where have they remained in, why have they remained in place? You see, it takes indigenous financial institutions to develop economies. And if you doubt what I'm saying, go do your own research. Find out how the man JP Morgan and others helped move America out of the depression. Check out how others have done it. 
in their countries. And let's understand that if you want to do manufacturing, if you want to do big, big things, I, I, I take a look at the headlines, the headlines in, in, in the news across Africa. You check out the headlines um, in the big cities in America or in the UK, where people of African descent um, are many. And look at what they are celebrating. Celebrating how a, a, a big bank from a, the majority side, majority side, have decided to assist the community, have decided to open a branch, have decided to go the here or there. Or why a German car manufacturer or a Chinese uh, construction firm or, or, or a British um, enterprise has decided to go and locate in an African country that's big headlines and governments rejoice. What about what the indigenous people have tried to do? Why not push them? Why not push them? And why not use the government resources? Why not use the taxpayers' money to push the indigenous ones? And when they go wrong, why not assess them? I've studied some of what the South Koreans did. And the South Korean the Ministry of Trade and, and others, well, they got together. And yes, people tell you, don't pick winners. What well, they did, and they had people bring business plans, their own people. They brought business plans. And they chose the ones that looked good. They chose the ones that they thought had promise. And they supported them. The individual private enterprises, they supported them. And that's how come you have the Samsungs of this world. And so, and so on and so forth, from South Korea. We talk about all of these things, and we marvel at why, well, South Korea was either at par with some African countries in the 50s or the 60s, and look at where they are. Uh, why is it that Singapore is where they are? Why is it that Malaysia is where they are? But we are not willing to examine this point, this attitudinal point of wanting our own to succeed or on the other side, not wanting our own to succeed and would rather give the preference to a foreigner or failing it to the government, to the state, because then no one owns it. It's owned by everyone. So, it wouldn't seem and be seen that my friend over there succeeded where I failed, or the person who was my classmate, or who was my junior in school, did better than me. 
Examine it. Think about it. Look for your own examples, wherever you may come from, and take a look at them. So when I see people of African descent, they may come from the entertainment field. Um, it could be anyone. Let's say the, the, the man uh, married to Beyonce, He's not just doing business, he's not just doing music these days. Or the man they call P. Diddy. He's not only doing business these days. He's doing financial stuff. And when I see and read about those who are excelling in investment banking in America, and they are African Americans. I am happy. Maybe somebody else will see that example and say, oh, so after all, we can do it too. And maybe another person will do it, and another, and another. And then the prosperity will spread. And that is the attitude we must have. And we, when I say we, we must have. Because it doesn't matter if, if I am walking in the streets in London. Person there doesn't know whether I just arrived from Cote d'Ivoire or from the Caribbean, or I live there in the same way. If I'm walking the streets of Chicago, I'm just like anybody else. I may be, you know, my color may be darker than some other people. But doesn't matter, I'm black, I'm of African descent. Whether I just arrived today or I've been there for 50 years, it doesn't matter. That is what people look at. And when someone else shines, when they shine, the light shines on me as well. But when they fall, when they fail, <laughs> that, that also affects me. So sometimes when I, I'm listening, I'm watching the news, and I hear that, oh, someone has gone to murder somebody, and I'm watching, and I'm looking to see what photograph they're going to show. If the photograph is not somebody of, of, of color or African descent, then I relax. Because then I don't feel ashamed. And I don't look at the implications tomorrow when I go out. That somebody who also saw the news and heard what had been said wouldn't look at me and say, aha, he's one of them. I'd rather have the news talk about the accomplishment of someone from the African descent who has gone to space who owns a profitable financial institution, who is a big entertainer and is doing well and is living a disciplined life, or a sportsman or sportswoman who's done well and is excelling in their personal life and in, in the field that they've chosen. 
That's what makes me happy. That is what should make us happy. And believe you me, the link to poverty is direct, straightforward. If you don't have people of African descent, wherever you may be, excelling, they are not creating jobs. They are not encouraging other people to go to school. They are not serving as role, good role models for other people to get an education, to live a straight life, and so on and so forth. That's what happens. So why is there lots of poverty in Africa? It's because we don't have Africans who are excelling, who are doing well, building businesses, growing them, employing people, paying taxes, helping the governments become prosperous so they can also promote our own enterprises. The linkage is there. It's straightforward. It's direct. So if you're an individual, succeed. If you're a politician and you're dividing and you're collapsing other people's businesses or you're preferring foreigners to come and do work in your country, contracts in your country and paying them better. If you're doing any of those kinds of things, just think again, you are building a class of poor people in your own country, amongst your own people. And if you're in America or in the Caribbean doing the same thing, don't wonder why our people look the way they are. Don't wonder why our communities are as poor as they are, as run down as they are. There's the link. So let's support our own. This has been Fresh Matters, and I am Papa Kwesi Endome.